I have a question for you this morning. What comes to mind when you hear the word Easter? Now, for millions of Christians around the world, Easter is the day that Jesus Christ rose from the dead, and so Christians normally think about a cross or an empty tomb. But for many others, the power of media and marketing in our culture makes it more likely that this is what comes to mind when you hear the word Easter. The Easter Bunny. Now, there are many explanations for how the bunny became associated with Easter, but the most common one is that the rabbit is a sign of fertility. Rabbits multiply quickly. A rabbit is a sign of new life. And speaking of rabbits, I heard a story about this couple. It was Easter morning, and they were greeted by their dog at the front door, and their dog had a dead rabbit in its mouth. Now, they immediately recognized this dead, dirty rabbit as belonging to their next-door neighbor. In fact, it was their prized pet rabbit. And wanting to be good neighbors, they came up with a plan. So they took this dirty, dead rabbit, they put it in the kitchen sink, and they washed it, and then they got a blow dryer and fluffed up its hair, then they sneaked into their neighbor's backyard and put it back in the cage. Well, a little later that day, they're walking down the sidewalk, and they see their neighbor. And the owner of the rabbit says, yeah, we woke up this morning and went out to the rabbit's cage, and it was dead. And the neighbor said, oh, man, I'm just so sorry to hear that. And the owner said, yeah, but the strange thing is, last night, our rabbit died we buried it in the backyard, and this morning it was back in the cage, and we have no idea what happened. That's called the urban legend of the resurrection rabbit. But sometimes when you hear the word Easter, that's what people think of, bunny rabbits. Here's something else that people think of, Easter eggs, which, of course, are brought to you by the Easter bunny. Now, what's up with the eggs? Well, in many cultures around the world, eggs are a symbol of new life. The Phoenicians, the Egyptians, and the Hindus believe this, that the world actually began with an enormous egg. And then you have the Chinese and the Egyptians and the Persians, and during these, springs, these spring festivals, they would give each other eggs as a symbol of the new life around them. Now, this is really interesting. People who are Christians, and even those in cultures around the world who are not Christians, Think of Easter as a time to celebrate new life. And here's what I want you to think about on this Easter Sunday. How does the Christian story of Easter, this story about the life, the death, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, how does that story make it possible for us to have a new life? And here's why that question is so important for each one of us. There is a life that you have, and then there is a life that you want. You wake up every morning to the life that you have. And it's a life that's filled with some good things, some bad things, some frustrating things, some painful things, some, some things you want to change about yourself or about your circumstances. And then there's the life that you want to wake up to. It's a life where you're becoming the person you were created to be. It's a life where you know your purpose. It's a life of joy, a life of hope. A life where you're letting go of the, of the past and the things that weigh you down. It's a life where you're making a difference in the lives of other people. Now the question is, how do you move from the life that you have to the life that you want? And the answer is Easter. And here's what I mean. The story of Easter is about a love so powerful that it can absolutely change your life. See, the truth is that each one of us was created by God to love 
and to be loved. Deep down, that's the kind of life that we want to live. And we recognize this early on, even as kids. We have this desire to, to love and to be loved. In fact, kids have some very interesting perspectives when it comes to the topic of love. For example, a little girl named Rebecca said this, when my grandmother got arthritis, she couldn't bend over and paint her toenails anymore. So my grandfather does it for her all the time, even when his hands got arthritis too. That's love. Or how about this from Emily, age eight. Love is when you kiss all the time. Then when you get tired of kissing, you still want to be together and you actually talk more. My mommy and daddy are like that. And this is from Noel, age seven. Love is when you tell a guy you like his shirt and then he wears it every single day. And this last one from Jessica, age eight. You really shouldn't say I love you unless you mean it. But if you mean it, you should say it a lot because people forget. Isn't that true? We often forget how much we are loved. And so this morning, my goal is to remind you that God loves you and his love is so powerful that it can give you a new life. Here's the first thing that I want us to see. The big idea for this morning is simply this. This is on your outline. Easter is a love story that makes it possible for you to have a new life. And check out this. A new life is possible because God's love offers you a new record. A new life is possible because God's love offers you a new record. Now let me ask you a question. What's the worst thing you've ever done in your whole life? You don't have to answer it. But what comes to mind when I ask you that question? What's the worst thing you've done in your whole life? Now imagine this, that we're going to take the worst thing you've done and put it up on the big screen in about two minutes. What would you do? I'll tell you what I would do. I'd be running for the door. Now let's, let's ask the question a little differently. What if I told you that in just a few moments we're going to take the worst thing you've ever done that God has not forgiven and put it up on the screen? Well, if you told me that, I know what I would do. Nothing. You see, because of Easter, every wrong thing I've ever done, every wrong thing I will ever do has been forgiven, and I have a new record. And friends, that really is the good news of Easter. No matter what you've done, or who you've done it with, or how many times you've done it, God offers you forgiveness and a new record because of what Jesus has done for you. And here's how the Bible explains it. The Bible says that we come into this world with a heart that has a problem. And you can't see this on an EKG because it's a spiritual problem. We have a heart that pulls us away from God's purpose. You see, God made us to love him and to love others. And nobody does that perfectly. And the Bible has a word for that. It's called sin. And here's the problem with sin. Sin separates us from God. God is holy and we're not. And the Bible says this, that because God is just, he has to punish every sin we've ever committed and that just punishment is for us to die and to be separated from God forever. Now that is clearly some bad news. But the news gets even worse because there's no way that we can rescue ourselves. There's nothing we can do to make our relationship with God right. And that's where the beauty of Easter shines through because this God who made you, this God who loves you, came up with a rescue plan. And I love telling people about God's rescue plan because it's really rooted in the very nature and character of God. See, the Bible says there's one God, but this one God exists as three persons, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And the rescue plan within the Trinity is that God the Father sends God the Son, Jesus, to earth. Jesus becomes one of us, and he lives the life that we've always wanted to live. He lives a perfect life. He loves his Father. He loves people. 
He gets it right. And because Jesus has lived this perfect life, he is uniquely qualified to be our substitute. And that's exactly why Jesus allows himself to be arrested and beaten and hung on a cross. Because on the cross, this is what God is willing to do. God's willing to take our sin and put our sin on Jesus. God's willing to punish Jesus in our place. The death that we deserve, Christ dies for us. And then after paying for our sins, God raises his son back to life so that we can have a new life. Question is, how do you get that new life? How do you become a follower of Jesus Christ? Well, you go to God and say, God, I'm a sinner. I have failed to love the way that you tell me to, and I need a Savior. And I believe that Jesus is exactly that. He's your son who died on the cross for my sins, who came back to life, and I want to follow him. And listen, when you do that, God gives you a new record. Take a look at this verse in the book of Colossians. It says this, you were dead, spiritually dead because of your sins. Then God made you alive with Christ, for he forgave all our sins. And notice this, he canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away, how? By nailing it to the cross. Back in the first century, when people were executed by crucifixion, they would actually take a list of charges and nail it above their heads so everybody could see why they were being punished. But of course, Jesus had never sinned. There were no charges against him. And so the Bible says it was as if when Jesus died, God took our record, the list of charges against us, and nailed it above the head of Jesus Christ. And when we trust Jesus, when we accept what he's done for us, the Bible says that God completely destroys that old record and gives us the perfect record of Jesus. Now, why is that so critically important? Here's the reason. Because unless you have a new record, you will perish. Now, I didn't say that. Jesus did. If you've ever been to a football game, you know there's a, a verse that they hold up in the end zone. What verse is that? John 3, 16, and what does that say? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever, whoever believes in him shall not perish but will have eternal life. Whenever you go to the grocery store and buy perishable food, that food always comes with an expiration date. Last night, I was really hungry so I went outside and grilled some hamburgers and then I went back inside and I was looking for some jalapeno peppers for my hamburgers. So I reached way in the back of the refrigerator and I found this jar and I was not sure how long this jar had been in the refrigerator. And so what did I check? What did I check before I put these on my hamburger? The expiration date, of course. Would anybody like to sample these, by the way, this morning? Well, what would you want to know if you were going to eat one of these jalapeno peppers? You'd want to know the expiration date, wouldn't you? Well, I have good news for you. It's March 3rd, 2020. Now, do you realize that every human being ever born comes with an expiration date? And you can't see it. It's not stamped anywhere on your body. But a day is coming, unless Jesus returns, when we will expire. We will breathe our last breath. Question is, what happens then? Where are you going to be five minutes after you die? Now, people have all kinds of opinions about the answer to that question. Some people say, well, you're not going to be anywhere because death is all there is. When you die, it's over. Other people would say, well, it's not over because you have a soul and your soul gets reincarnated and you move from one life form to another and keep moving up the ladder until hopefully you reach the top one day. But then there's what we learn from the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. 
Jesus teaches us that this life is not all there is. There is an eternity beyond our lives. And Jesus says this, there is only two possibilities for the eternal destination of your soul. A place called heaven and another place that we don't like to talk about or think about, a place that is often never mentioned in church anymore, and that place is what? Yeah, hell. And Jesus talked a lot about hell. Now let me give you my summary of, um, of heaven and hell. Heaven's really, really good, and hell is really, really bad. And I think we know that. And see, that makes sense, because why would Jesus come to our world? Why would he suffer? Why would he die? Well, to make it possible for us to spend eternity where? Yeah, in heaven with him. And listen, trusting Jesus is not just about the hereafter. It's about the here and now. It's about living with a new record. It's about knowing that your past is absolutely settled. It's about this growing freedom from regret and shame and failure and fear. And that's what God's love offers you, a new record. And notice this, a new life is possible because God's love offers you something else, a new identity, a new identity. How many of you, before you came to church this morning, looked in the mirror? You can raise your hand on this one. If you looked in the mirror, all right, if you looked in the mirror, did you make any adjustments to what you saw? We're thankful that you did. You know, when we look in the mirror, we see ourselves, right? And the way that we see ourselves is our identity. And our identity is so important because we live out of our identity. Our thoughts, our emotions, our goals, our choices are all directly tied to how we see ourselves. Now think about this. Throughout the course of your life, you're often making adjustments to your identity, different ways that you see yourself. For example, think about your childhood. Now maybe as, as a child, you were really good at sports. Anybody here really good at sports when they were a kid? Okay, so you look in the mirror and you go, man, I'm good at sports. I've got athletic ability and that forms your identity. Or maybe you were really smart. How many of you were really smart when you were a kid? Hopefully you're still smart. Okay, or you were told you were smart. You were good at math or science and so you look in the mirror and you go, man, I'm, I'm a good student. I'm an A student. I'm intelligent, that forms your identity. Or how about this? Were you talented? Could you sing? Could you dance? Could you play an instrument? Well, that formed your identity because you looked in the mirror and you said, man, I'm a talented, I'm a talented guy, I'm a talented gal. But here's what happens, you grow up and, and then sometimes your identity can shift because what if you get married? Now your identity is tied to being a husband or a wife and then kids come along and you look in the mirror and you go, hey, I'm a mom, I'm a dad. Or you get a career or you start a business or, or you acquire certain things and now that's, that's wrapped up with your identity. But what happens if you lose those things? What happens if you lose the job, if you lose your health, if you lose that person that you love, if you go through the death of somebody or a divorce? What happens to your identity? You see, the truth is that if we're going to have any stability and security in this life, we need an identity that never changes. And God offers us a new identity when we trust Jesus Christ. Because when you make the decision to follow Jesus, God adopts you into his family. And you become his son, his daughter, his child. And listen, nothing can ever separate you from the love of God your Father when you become a follower of Jesus Christ. And look at these verses this is a verse about Jesus. It says, but to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. 
And check out this verse. See how very much our Father loves us, for he calls us his children, and that is what we are. How many of you are familiar with a TV show called This Is Us? Ever watch that? I've watched almost every episode of This Is Us. And here's the cast, by the way. And this TV show is wildly popular. And here's, here's why. This is what I think. Because it's real. It actually shows how people's identities are shaped because of the family that they grow up in. Now, here's another picture of part of a family. Do you recognize any of those people? Who are those people? You can tell me. Yeah, those are some people from the BBCC church family. In fact, this is our, our missions team that went to Honduras last year. Now, here's what I want you to see. When you become a Christian, it's not just Jesus and me. It's Jesus and we. Your identity is not just who you are in relationship to Jesus. Your identity is who you are in relationship to your brothers and sisters in Christ. Because I will tell you this, you have a really, really big family. You have a family around the world of people who have made a decision to follow Jesus Christ. And that church is who we are. Now, let me just point out one final thing this morning. A new life is possible. Because God's love offers us, first of all, a new record, secondly, a new identity, and now, a new potential. God's love offers you a brand new potential. How many of you like to watch DIY shows on TV? What does DIY stand for? Do it yourself. My wife, Chris, and I like to do things ourselves, and we have tackled all kinds of projects. Now, one of the things that we learned early on is this. If you want to have a successful project, you have to have the right Tools, exactly. So I actually brought a tool with me this morning that I've used on a bunch of home projects. This is my, my trustworthy DeWalt drill. And it has, it has incredible potential to do all kinds of work. But my drill just needs one thing to realize its potential. What does it need? Power, exactly. God has created you and me with incredible potential. But what do we need to realize that potential? Power. A power beyond ourselves. The power of God. And friends, that's what the story of Easter is all about. The resurrection of Jesus Christ says that we can rise above the circumstances of our lives. That we can push through pain. That we can become the people God created us to be. Take a look at this verse. It says, for God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Does it please God when you love somebody who's hard to love? You can shake your head. Yeah, it pleases God. Well, how do you do that? With whose power? His power. Does it please God when you forgive somebody who's hurt you deeply? Well, of course it does. But how do you, how do, you do that? You have to access the power of God. See, God's power can give you the ability to live a life that pleases him. And think about this, maybe on this Easter Sunday, you're somebody who's married and, and things are not, they're just not going well. Maybe you're really struggling. Let me ask you this. Do you think that if God has the power to raise Jesus from the dead, that he can resurrect a dead marriage? I mean, do you believe that? I believe that because I've seen him do it. And, and do you believe 
that if God has the power to raise his son from the dead, that he could set somebody free from an addiction in their life. Well, I believe that because I have seen it with my own eyes. What about this? Do you think that God has the power to heal a relationship in your family? See, God has the power to accomplish his purpose in us. And that's what I want you to realize. It's not just the power of God living in you. It's the power of God living in us as God's family. Look at this verse. This is from the book of Ephesians, and it says this, Now to him, now to God, who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work, what are the next two words? Within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. I want you to know something this morning. As I stand here and look out, I see a church family with enormous potential. The question is, how do we access that potential? How do we tap into the power of God to become the church that God wants us to be? And the answer is simple. It's by faith. Faith connects us to the power of God. We have to believe that what God says is true, and we have to trust him enough to obey him, to actually step out in faith. And think about how this affects every area of our lives. Think about finances just for a moment. If you want to experience God's blessing and God's power in your finances, what do you need? Faith. You need to believe the principles of his word and step out in faith and trust him. And what about your marriage? If you want to see God's power in your marriage, then you've got to have faith in God's principles and trust him and obey him. That's true about everything that God calls us to do. And listen, church, as we do that, as we depend on the resurrection power of Jesus Christ who lives in us by the Holy Spirit. God is going to enable us to do more than we can ask or even imagine. God is gonna help change us so that we can change our families, change our church, change this community, and in fact, change the world. Let me just close with, with this story. I read a story recently about two men in a museum, and it goes like this. Two men were looking at a painting of a chess game. One character in the painting appeared to be a man, and the other looked like Satan. The man is down to his last piece, and the title of the painting is Checkmate. One of the two men looking at the painting was an international chess champion, and something about the painting puzzled him. He told the other man to go ahead and look around the museum so that he could study the painting for a while. When his friend came back, the chess master said, we must find the man who painted this piece and tell him that he must either change the painting or change the title. His friend asked, well, why? What's wrong with the painting? The man replied, it's titled Checkmate, but the title is wrong. The king still has one more move. Nearly 2,000 years ago, when they took the lifeless body of Jesus down from the cross and buried him in a tomb, it looked like checkmate. But the king still had one more move. And listen, regardless of what's happening in your life right now, regardless of the pain, the struggles, the disappointment, remember the story of Easter. Remember that there is a king who loves you a king who always has one more move. Let's pray. Father, thank you for Easter, and thank you that Jesus is alive and that he always has one more move.
Father, we pray that you'd help us right now to honestly consider how we can respond to your offer of a new life. For we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Would you do this? Would you take a look at the question on the bottom of your outline? It says this, how have you responded to God's offer of a new life? Now, I am so thankful that each one of you has come to church this morning on Easter. And I'm really thankful that you've been able to listen to a message about how much God's love, God loves you. But I want to ask you this. What are you going to do about it? Seriously. How is this going to affect your life? How is it affecting your life? And I want you to do this. There are different ways that people respond to this message of God's love. And I've, I've given them to you on your outline. I want you to think as I talk about them, which one applies to you? Because here's the first. I've decided to follow Jesus and I am living, I am living the new life he promised. I have a friend who became a believer a number of years ago. And whenever I ask him, how are you doing? This is what he says. I am living the life. And I know what he means. I'm living the life that Jesus promised. It's not a perfect life. There's problems and pressure and pain. But you know what? There's joy and there's hope and there's purpose. Because I'm following Jesus. And when I get down, I get back up. And maybe that's where you are today. You are living this new life that Jesus promised. Or maybe this is your situation. I've decided to follow Jesus, but I am struggling to live this new life that he promised. And let me assure you, if this is where you are, you are not alone. There are all kinds of reasons that we might struggle to, to really believe that God loves us. Sometimes it's because pain pours into our lives or into the lives of those that we care about. Sometimes there's a tragedy. Sometimes it's because of unanswered prayer. And maybe this has been your experience. You prayed really, really hard. You prayed about your kids. You prayed about your job. You prayed about your health. And as far as you can tell, God did nothing. And so you don't even feel like praying anymore. Because if God's God, then he's going to do what he wants to do. And it seems like he answers other people's prayers, but not my prayers. He blesses other people, but he doesn't bless me. Or maybe, maybe this Easter people in your life who should love you the most, your own family, have loved you the least. What do you do? Remember the story of Easter. Remember that there is a king who loves you so much he died on a cross. And remember that this king who loves you always has one more move. And let me say this too. Um, to those of you who you know, usually only come to church on holidays like Christmas or Easter, I want to tell you this. I am so glad you're here. I really am. And I want you to come back because I want you to, to learn how to live this life that Jesus promised. And, and I get it. You know, I know sometimes people will make a decision to follow Jesus and then life just gets crazy and you get busy and distracted and you begin neglecting your relationship with Jesus. This could be the day when all of that changes. And you can get back on the path that God has for you. Listen, next week, we're starting a new series of messages. It's called God's Answers to Life's Difficult Questions. And I want to invite you to come and be a part of that and learn about this new life that God calls us to live. Or maybe this is where you are today when you think about responding to God's offer of, of love and a new life. I've never decided to follow Jesus, and I'm not ready to accept this new life he promised. It's good to be honest about where you are spiritually. I want to encourage you to keep 
checking out the claims of Christianity. But I'll tell you what, the best place to do that is right here in a church family by getting to know other people who have made a decision to follow Jesus. Or it could be that this is your response this morning. I've never decided to follow Jesus, but I want to trust him today to give me the new life he promised. And if that's you this morning, I want to give you an opportunity to do exactly that, to make the most important and the most courageous decision anybody can make to surrender your life to Jesus and discover God's purpose for your life. So can we do this? Would you bow your heads? I'd like to lead you in a prayer. Father, thank you for this new life that is possible when we decide to follow Jesus. Because, Father, it's true. You give us a new record. You give us a new identity. You give us a new potential. And, Father, I pray for the person who right now is sensing your tug on their heart. And listen, if that's you, right now, you can make a decision to follow Jesus. You don't have to say anything out loud. You can just talk to God in your own words. And right now, you can just say, God, I am sorry for all the wrong things that I've done. Just tell God that in your own words. And now you can tell God in your own words that you believe that Jesus is his son who died on a cross for your sins and came back to life. Just tell God that in your own words. And finally, tell God that you want to follow Jesus and accept his leadership in your life. Father, thank you this morning that you always hear the prayer of the one who decides to follow Jesus. In fact, you run to rescue us and give us a new life. And Father, on this Easter Sunday, I pray for all of us to be deeply encouraged by the truth that no matter what is happening in our lives, King Jesus always has one more move. For we pray in his name, amen.